Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about freelancing and how you can create your courses to earn good money. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Nick Genetakis. How are you? Doing good. Nice job in the last name. Close. Genetakis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. You know, uh, I need to practice a little bit more, you know, so after the podcast, I, I, I'll do it. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about freelancing and online courses. Sure. First up, thanks a lot for having me. Happy to be on. And yeah, so I got started with web development all the way back in the late 1990s. Like this is, you know, ancient times where, I don't know, do you know the, the site GeoCities by any chance? Uh, no, no. Okay. It used to be a really popular site back in the day for just getting a site up and running. But anyways, like, the, you know, the super condensed version of it. Um, I got really interested in making websites for different video games uh, that I was interested in at the time. And right after uh, graduating high school, I just took basically a gap year and I uh, went straight into freelancing right after that. Because I don't know, it, it was one of those things where you just find something that you really like, you fall in love with it. And like, you just know, like, you know, I don't want to like down anyone who's going to university or stuff. Like, I just knew what I wanted to do. So yeah, I just got started with freelancing right away. Um, yeah, if you want to get into gory technical details, like after that, I just started working with PHP, which is a programming language back then uh, for quite some time. Eventually got introduced to other languages like Python and Ruby. I do a lot of Ruby on Rails, Python, Flask, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of what I'm doing currently. I'm giving you like the super condensed version of this. I don't know if you want to get into more details on the tech stuff, but yeah, that's where I am current day. And starting in about 2005, 2015 is when I started to create courses for the first time. So I don't know if you want to ask some questions before I keep going on, but it's up to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about freelancing. Can you tell uh, where to start? For example, from your experience, because I see when uh, freelancers uh, spend some time, fail and uh, give up. Uh, I know from my personal experience, uh, because my first company, yeah, I started from freelancing just uh, um, and I got it that's hard to compete with uh, prominent freelancers who have uh, ratings, feedback, uh, a portfolio. But if you start from scratch, it's hard, but it's possible. So uh, can you tell what to do? Uh, because if I register on Upwork, Fiverr, any other platforms, I will compete with people who have this experience. And most uh, companies order uh, and cooperate with people with portfolio including me <laughs> so uh, uh let you uh, let know your methods how to uh, jump in freelancing field when you have no experience anything sure so i mean the times are a little bit different now versus like the early 2000s but i think everything i did early on you could do the same thing pretty much nowadays as well it's even easier nowadays uh I didn't start with anything like no website no business cards no like you know formal business plan it was more just everything local. So, you know, I was a teenager, I had a bicycle, I literally rode around my neighborhood and found people. Uh, well, I didn't find people, but you know, you see these work vans come sometimes in suburbs where maybe they're doing like roofing and, you know, other small businesses, or you approach these small businesses just one-on-one. -on -one. So I was just striking up conversations with folks, uh, just super casually, like literally, you know, like some dude uh, doing some roof job, like I'd ask him, you know, can I speak to the owner of the company, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, just basically, you know, it is a different thing than just sitting online, I guess, and 
you know, putting yourself on one of those platform sites. Because like you say, you're just going to put yourself in a scenario where there's going to be a million other people trying to do the same thing. And it's going to be very hard to break into that. So I think like just starting locally in your, in your neighborhood, even it's uh, you can't go wrong with that. I don't think. Yeah, let, let me share my experience how I did it. You know, uh, uh, I found that I can't compete with many prominent freelancers, but I found uh, um, almost all of them don't spend time with their customers. They usually spend like 15 minutes, you know, 10 minutes or send templates. Uh, okay, please consider my offer. I can provide great results. And I found uh, that I can change the approach with personalization and sharing more my time. For example, uh, I got it if I tell uh, my customer, uh, okay, uh, let's uh, uh, take a call, let's uh, schedule a meeting and I can share more about that. I, uh, I spent like a few hours without any payments to explain what we can do, how to change. And that way I got like $200, my first payment, you know, in freelancing and not bad, you know, from uh, scratch. And yeah, I think guys, uh, if you want to achieve results, you need to find your unique selling proposition. So if you have your USP, you can uh, overcome competitors with personalization, spend more time. During some time, of course, uh, I couldn't pro, uh, spend uh, an hour for free, you know, right now, because yeah, many other things to do I have. Uh, it's not only about freelancing, but uh, you need to uh, be patient, you know, and uh, to provide more insights than your competitors have. Okay, uh, Nick, uh, let's talk about your freelancing. Can you tell uh, how to increase payments? Because, you know, for example, it, it's hard start from scratch to us uh, to charge a lot uh, without any experience but uh, can you tell uh, your way how you increase payments uh, by providing the service mm -hmm. yeah just to rerun real quick about what you said around just like engaging with people in a way that they're probably not going to get that experience with a bigger company that's really like very insightful and I, and I follow the same thing and I think it leads into this type of question too because yeah, you can't, you have to be very patient. So sometimes maybe you'll work for someone early on for less than what you would like, but you're going to build up a lot of trust with that person so that, you know, maybe you do like a very simple, like redesign website thing. And like you say, you get like two, 300 bucks or something like that, but that could lead to a future thing with that client where, you know, suddenly they may come at you with a business need where it's like, well, you know, I kind of need this like custom thing built. Is that something you're able to do? And suddenly that turns into, you know, maybe a two or $3,000 contract or a $20,000 contract. But I mean, I think you're asking generally, like, you know, how do I go from charging $15 an hour to 200 an hour or something like that? And, you know, it, it's, I don't know, I, I forget exact people who say these things, but like, whatever you think you should be charging, like double it, right? That's like the cliche answer or something like that. But I, I, you just need to be, yeah, you need to be comfortable trying different things out. Um, I wouldn't, because what's the worst scenario? Like they say no, and then you just move on to the next one. So, um, and most people you'll find like, you know, if you just propose like, okay, I want to ask for... $50 an hour or something like that. You know, a business person is probably not just going to, you know, tell you to like, you know, screw off and that's it. Like there'll be some, you know, negotiation around that. So I wouldn't feel too bad about yeah. asking a little bit more. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good advice. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, freelance platforms. Can you tell which platforms work for you and why do you use them? Okay. I guess I will answer that with, I don't use any of them, <laughs> but um, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, there are certain platforms out there that 
Yeah, I feel like it's really hard to get into because nowadays, especially you're on that platform and there's going to be 400,000 other people trying to race to the bottom kind of almost, you know, where it's like, unless you end up being on that platform and become like, you know, a superstar with a million reviews, it's very hard for people to find you in a world like that, in my opinion, I think. So yeah, I, I am not involved with, um, I guess Upwork is the main one potentially. There's some other ones as well. I just completely bypassed using them. And yeah, I just started just, Locally around my network, finding small businesses. Um, eventually, in mid 2010s, I started a blog, and that's kind of where things got to to the point where they are now. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, uh, I agree with your approach because uh, if you stand out from the rest, if you don't uh, replicate others, you don't need to compete with them. You can oversmart many of them. Okay, let's talk about your approach more. Uh, can you share details? Uh, for example, how you started locally, uh, how you uh, could find customers uh, by providing the service locally. Mm -hmm. So again, like sort of different times. So back then, like CSS was barely a thing, you know, and we were just approaching, I guess, the aftermath of the dot-com bubble, but people still wanted websites and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, just locally, I mean, depending on where you live, I mean, I, I live in New York for reference, but I don't live in New York City. I just live in a suburb area. So there's a, a lot of like small businesses all over the place. You know, I can draw uh, a five mile uh, radius around where I am and there's like, you know, hundreds of businesses there. So depending on where you live, like, yeah, I would just start literally approaching every single one of those businesses. Now, again, it's harder because people know more about the internet and stuff. So instead of maybe a pool of 100 people needing a site out of them, like maybe only 10 of them need that. But if you get a couple of them, that, that at least, you know, gets your foot in the door. But yeah, I mean, like absolute, like fine grain details, like literally just approaching people, you know, ask them a little bit about their business. You know, do they have some type of web presence? You know, uh, yeah, just get to know them and like, don't, I mean, this is going to come down to personal preference, but you know, I've never been like trying to hard sell people, you know, uh, it's not like I went like door to door and just knocking on their door and be like, by the way, like I have websites to sell you or stuff like that. You know, it's more just getting to know them a little bit better first. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay, let's talk about your unique selling proposition. I think, you know, uh, almost all companies, they check out a few propositions before uh, choosing one. Uh, and uh, can you tell uh, what, uh, what benefits you have if you compare to other uh, companies, freelancers who can provide totally the same services? Okay, so let's say you're in a scenario where it's me versus like 10 other people or something. How would I differentiate myself yeah. versus the 10 others? Uh, I mean, this is going to sound, it's weird to even talk about things like that, but like I have not even looked for a client now in probably like six years. And right now people just email me and then it's like, okay, this sounds like a good fit. Let's do it up. And like, it's already done, but I understand like you can't get to that point from day one. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really love that one thing that you said earlier around just like creating personal relationships uh, that is a big thing because if people feel like, you know, you have their back and, they're, and you're on their side, then they will trust you to do these things. And yeah. yeah, I mean, so the personal approach of like, I wouldn't see as just working by yourself as a liability. That's that's a benefit because I'm sure we've all experienced this, right? Where these companies get bigger and bigger and bigger and like support gets worse and worse and worse. It's like very hard to even talk to a human for a lot of companies. And like you get some autoresponder, they copy paste to your message. Like, yeah, you work for me, then you get like a personal experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask a question about your background. I see a uh, musical instrument, guitar uh, on your background. Can you tell, uh, is it your hobby uh, and uh, why you have this guitar on your background? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I just casually play the guitar a bit. 
not as much nowadays as they used to, but I still pick it up once in a while. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, uh, the reason why I'm asking about that, I remember uh, I decided to uh, learn how to play guitar and I give up for some time because uh, probably uh, that was not my uh, passion. So, yeah, I decided to, uh, I don't know, to surprise others, but uh, I found, no, it's better to pay attention to strong size where, where you can spend more time for example if i uh, write articles or uh, i don't know many other things uh, i love it you know i can spend all my time but uh, if you do something because you want to sur surprise others no way <laughs> it's not a good idea okay let's talk about online courses why you decided to switch your attention to online courses and uh, yeah what is the main reason was to uh, create online courses yeah that's a funny one like it sounds crazy, but like one day I just woke up and well, let me preface that with a little bit. Um, I have, I did see quite a few people who were having success creating online courses. Uh, there were platforms like udemy.com and some other ones where I'm like, whoa. And I don't know, I, I don't want to talk too much about Udemy because I actually don't really use them anymore. But yeah, th there was all these scenarios where people were selling like $200 courses and they had like, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand people signing up. I'm like, my God, this is like a way to print money. Okay, um, let me see if I can take what I've learned doing all this freelance work, because I'm building these applications and things. Uh, can I make a course around that one? I didn't know anything about video recording, nothing about audio, whatever. And uh, But I decided that I'm going to give this a fair shot. So I didn't even start using Udemy, but what I ended up doing was uh, I just started a Kickstarter, and this is back in 2015. And I wanted to make a Flask course. So Flask is just a web framework written in Python. It's a programming language. People use it to build web applications, basically. I don't know if you want to get into more details than that. But uh, yeah, so I made this really horrible Kickstarter video. But like, just randomly, I'm like, OK, could I do this for X amount of money? OK, $12,000 is what I put as the goal. I had no audience, nothing, not even a single person, not even a website. And um, I don't know, I got ridiculously lucky in that the whole entire campaign completely tanked for the 30 days that I put it up except for the last day. On the last day, a single person, uh, I will refer to him as the Australian businessman, uh, funded my entire Kickstarter just by himself, basically, like 99% of it, because I did have a couple other folks who were involved, but that really got me thinking like, man, like maybe there's a need for this type of thing. And yeah, from there, I, I literally in three months, like learned everything I could about creating videos and, you know, trying to get a better audio setup and just the idea of like, taking something and just breaking it down into to many like, you know, course modules or sections or whatever. Uh, yeah. I just learned that stuff on the fly and ship the thing three months later. And yeah, after that, just started creating courses, more courses, keeping them updated. Uh, and then kind of just did the blogging stuff at the same time. Yeah. You know, Nick, I found that uh, you don't like generic methods. <laughs> you you want to create something new, you know, to change environment, to provide new insights. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, how have you learned uh, uh, about courses before creating them? Uh, I mean, like what kind of research uh, uh, you did and, uh, and why uh, and how it can help you, you know, to uh, create courses that people want to buy? Right. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of moving parts with like creating a course, right? First it's like, you got to figure out how to even do the mechanics, right? Like how do I learn video editing? But then there's also like, what do I even make the course on? And then once you have the course idea, it's like, well, okay, that's cool. I have maybe a title or something. How do I even break that down into actually making a, a course? 
And well, I took it almost from like the inside out. So I've doing, you know, a lot of freelance work, building these web applications, basically SaaS apps for some different companies, right? Like there's a billing model and users and they want to do blah, 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 blah. But I built so many of these for different clients where, okay, my course idea, the, the first one I did, it was like, you know, can I build like build a SaaS app with Flask? That's like one of the courses that I have where we just like incrementally build up this application step by step. So like I already had the idea of the course just based on my small view of, you know, these companies and clients and businesses are asking me to build this type of thing. Could other people benefit if I like turn that into a course? So it was almost like the real world component came first and the course came after. Like I, I didn't try to just like sit there and invent a course idea. It came from like, I know this is what people want. They're paying me to do this. Like, can I scale this out to now where maybe some other folks can can learn how to build this on their own? Not the businesses themselves, but maybe the developers who are also freelancers, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, you uh, made all this uh, job like uh, editing videos yourself, uh, fixing audio and many other stuff. Yeah, all that I just do completely on my own. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I often get the question, uh, even one time I, I got uh, uh, an interview invite uh, and uh, to share my methods of editing videos and I reply to them, you know, guys, uh, I know nothing about that, <laughs> really, <laughs> because uh, I have a team, a great team who can create this awesome uh, video designs. Uh, so uh, I usually pay more attention to my strong side where I can create, you know, uh, share value. And I usually create files sent to my team and they provide the rest, you know, to, uh, to create uh, some video design that uh, retains audience longer. So yeah, I love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, your course. Uh, can you share, uh, for example, uh, what kind of benefits can I get by learning from your course? And uh, can you provide some solid reason for my audience uh, who are looking for uh, learning something new uh, to get your course? Okay, so I guess like I have a couple of courses, like there's that build a SaaS app with Flask one. I also have another course, uh, Dive into Docker. And that one, it just learns Docker as a technology from ground zero. But yeah, I'm not really 100% on who your audience is, but if they are any type of software developer or engineer, and you know they just want to start learning how to build web applications and they like using Python as a programming language, Flask is a very, very popular web framework for that. And uh, yeah, the course will just take you from ground zero, basically, of you know how do I build web apps with Flask? So we cover like, 50 or 60 or 70 different uh, web development topics, like, you know, creating users, like what, what they do when they forget their task passwords and, you know, all sorts of different stuff, building components with Stripe, et cetera. And the Docker one is more just like fundamentals of learning about Docker and, and Docker Compose. I don't know if that's going to resonate any with your audience, but let me know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, um, guys, you can find the link uh, to Nick uh, profile in the description below. Uh, you can find uh, these courses as well. So you can uh, check out if it works for you. If you want to learn more about that, you can uh, yeah, uh, take these courses and learn from them. We have the question about, can you reply to this question? Uh, it's like about seasonal uh, working on freelance. What do you think? Right. So freelancers walk a tight uh, tightrope as work can be seasonal at times. Okay. Yeah, because it is very, very feast or famine. There are some times where it's like, nobody's contacting me. And then I wake up and there's like, you know, eight contacts over the last week. And now it's like, well, what do you do? Because uh, part of the thing, at least if you're working by yourself as a freelancer, you're kind of trading your time, right? So it's very hard to outsource things in a way that, you know, you can consistently break stuff up. 
So I don't really have any super great advice around that one in that, but I will say that when opportunity comes, like I tend to not turn that away. So even if it means working a little bit more one week, um, knowing full well that maybe in two months I might not work as much, uh, I try to prepare myself for those times where, you know, the famine is there. But it could lead to a very irregular lifestyle sometimes. Like sometimes I'm working for eight hours a week, sometimes 20 hours a week for three months in a row. But then sometimes it's like, oh, crap, like I have to do like 60 hours to do all this stuff. And you don't want to go too far overboard because then you're going to maybe not burn out, but like you never want to make the client's work sacrifice because, you know, you were just overworked that week or you couldn't deliver or you're breaking promises. Mm -hmm. You know, I found on your LinkedIn profile that you've been a self-taught software developer for about 20 years uh yeah I, I i like your greetings uh hi i'm nick i've been a self-taught uh, software developer about 20 years can you tell about how to learn yourself i mean like without uh, uh, uh courses without uh, uh online stuff or education for example if you have no matter how to learn yourself uh, and make yourself to be an expert like you in one shiny day Okay. Yeah. I think that self-taught taught phrase is kind of like a loaded term because it's not like you're sitting in a room by yourself, like in a locked room where you just need to learn everything from ground zero. Like, yeah, you definitely lean on the internet, right? Reading blog posts, watching YouTube videos now is a lot easier. But, you know, back then 20 years ago, you know, Google wasn't even a thing. There was like, you know, search engines were barely, barely, barely coming about. So like, I don't know if it's like um just a generational thing, but like back then it was much harder to find information. So you were much more prone to experience and experiment things on your own. Like at best, you might just have the documentation for programming language uh, locally stored and that's it. So, but nowadays, you know, you've got everything at your fingertips, right? There's like a million different courses you can watch. It's almost like the opposite problem where there's like almost too many, too many sources. Like, you know, if there's like 55 different courses on Python, which one do you take? Cause you don't want to take all of them because it's going to be like 5,000 hours of time. Um, but yeah, I would say do not be afraid at all to experiment. Like when it comes to programming stuff or, you know, creating courses or starting a podcast, whatever the heck you want to do, like you got to be very comfortable just doing it. Like you, you need to read about it and research and learn things, but like doing it, I find at least is is the most beneficial thing ever. So oftentimes mm -hmm. I like to do it, learn as I go. Maybe I'm doing things incorrectly, but they work. And then afterwards, uh, I will go and like read a book or, you know, watch some videos or learn about the best practices after after I've gotten some experience on my own. I find that helps me the best to kind of like meld these things together. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick, I have the question about your, uh, uh, I mean like your ratio between learning and uh, acting. Because you know, uh, uh, for example, I can buy a hundred courses, books, uh, uh, read a thousand articles about, uh, I don't know, uh, web development, uh, Python, many other stuff, but, if I do nothing, I'm not sure that I can get any results with that. Can you tell your method? For example, if you learn something new, uh, how uh, or your ratio? For example, you uh, how you spend time between learning and actually acting? Because you told that you need to implement, you need to test, experiment. Tell about uh, insights about that. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if this is like an official phrase that's used by anyone, but like I, I like to classify this as like question-driven development, where mm -hmm. it is very much like you have a very tiny direct problem right in front of you right now, 
And then you answer that question and you implement it right away. So the feedback loop of learning and implementing is like as short as it can possibly be. And I mean, it could be something like, you know, if you were just starting to create video courses, like this is literally what I did, right? Like I didn't research like, oh, what video editor should I use and all this other stuff uh, before the Kickstarter and stuff. Like, no, I started learning that stuff literally like on the fly, on the spot. So like my first question there was like, okay, which video editing tool should I use? I answered that question. And then it was like, you know, okay. Uh, how do I import videos to this tool? Oh, I just drag and drop it. Okay. And you know, you end up with like 50 million tiny little microscopic problems as you go for the direct thing that you're trying to solve right now. And I find this to be great because it like gets rid of all forms of procrastination and stuff because yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's such a, a funny thing to a feel to be in, right? Because it's really entertaining to sit there and watch like an eight hour course and just like passively listen to it, maybe at two X speed, one X speed, whatever, but you don't apply any of it. But like at the same time, you feel like you get a lot of value from that because it's like, well, yeah, I'm learning stuff, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, for me, like that feedback loop needs to be almost immediate, like try something or, or read something and then try it immediately after based on an, an actual mm -hmm. problem I have right now. So yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of how I approach that. Nice, nice. Uh, I have the question about, uh, yeah, let, let me continue with your LinkedIn profile. Uh, over the years, you worked as a consultant doing contract work for various clients while also hacking away at my projects because it's what I love to do. So uh, can you share uh, uh, how you can, uh, I don't know, like, uh, for example, I have my own projects as well. But I still uh, cooperate with many clients to help them. Uh, tell about your uh, projects uh, and how you can find time between clients and your projects. Right. So most of my projects there are just related to just open source uh, tools that I have up on GitHub. So GitHub is a um, social platform for coders to put their code up and people can contribute to them and learn about them and use them and stuff. But yeah, so I've got like, I don't know, like 30 or 40 assorted little projects that I put up there. And yeah, my profile there is just github.com slash nickjj. It's linked on my main site, but not important to go there and look at those things. But yeah, uh, those were, that's, that's what those were. They weren't like custom businesses I was trying to run so much on the side. I mean, you can make a case that maybe selling courses is a custom project, but yeah, a lot of those other ones are just little little things. Like, you know, you do some work for some freelancers, uh, some clients, and you do some programming things and you extract out these little patterns that you can then potentially make open source. You know, you're not selling business secrets. It's like very general stuff. So usually that, you know, that part of the LinkedIn profile you're looking at, that was in regards to that one. And those mm -hmm. are little things mm -hmm. that I just do on my own time, kind of. Nice, nice. Okay, Nick, I have the question about, uh, for example, um, I found a study uh, that, uh, by the way, I consider this data a lot, uh, that, you know, uh, it costs five times less to acquire new customer than uh uh, retaining uh, old one so uh, for example if you have customers it's better to retain them because you pay five times more for this marketing to get new customers uh, and uh, you shared on LinkedIn that you cooperated uh, and worked with many big uh, clients uh, various clients can you tell your methods of retaining customers longer uh, what kind of benefits can you provide them better than uh, your competitors other freelancers companies and uh, yeah just methods how you to retain longer yeah so just in general absolutely fully agreed like if you can keep one client around for a long time it's just much better for everyone involved like you sort of have consistency to your stuff and you know you're not out there like, yeah, part of being a freelancer, like there's multiple components, right? There's you actually doing the work, but then there's also like, well, how do you find people to even do the work for? So if you've got a, a whole bunch of different long-term clients, then 
that component of like trying to find new clients is, you know, you should never ignore it because you never know with these things, but at least you don't need to focus on it like literally like every second. So yeah, I love the idea of having longer term clients. Like a lot of my clients were, you know, just doing maybe 10 hours a week for uh, quite a few different people. Or sometimes it's like, honestly, like you just hop on a call with someone for two hours a week, do some code reviews and get feedback on this and this and that. And, you know, I've had clients like that where that went on for six years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list uh, common mistakes that freelancers still do? And your any tips uh, how to find much better way? Yeah. So it's funny with this stuff too, because a lot of times there's like a million different ways to solve this problem, and you know none of them might be wrong or right. Like it's somehow you just carve your own path and get there. But like, yeah, you know, one one thing I think is, in my opinion, at least, like. You, it's probably not a good idea to focus on like, oh no, before I even do anything, I need to have like a portfolio say, I need to have business cards. I need to have, you know, all this other stuff. And because these are great things to like spend time on, because it's like, it's again, like you feel like hyperproductive, like, oh, I'm doing things, but like the bottom line is like, how do I convert value to a business owner and get paid for that? And like making a business card doesn't help you with that, like immediately on day one type of stuff. Um, I still don't even have business cards today. And it took me quite some time actually, before I even started my own website. Um, mm-hmm. but you get these weird things like in your, in your back of your mind, like you would think like, well, wait, like how is someone going to hire you if you have like no portfolio? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But like these, these people out there, business owners, right. They don't always like, the, it's hard. Like they're not a teacher. Like they're not going to ask you to prove your worth. Like I've only had a couple of clients in, you know, over 20 years where, you know, they were like, okay, can I see some of your previous work? Uh, that just really hasn't come up very often. Love it, guys. You need to start. Don't care about something that you don't have because all businesses, all people started from scratch. You know, <laughs> if you have no audience, if you have no portfolio, customers just do what you like. So, and results will come for some time. You can uh, use my method. Uh, for example, to spend more time with customers, to tell them, to provide free consultancy. Uh, I did a, a lot of them. Uh, you can create content uh, for uh, your loving channels. Just do what you like. That's it. You know, and results will come. Um, Nick, uh, I have the question. For example, let's imagine uh, you started from scratch without any experience, no knowledge, skills. What will you do today to uh, learn more about freelancing? Hmm. Well, today is much different than 20 years ago. So today I would just, I would start by just Googling around for all sorts of different things. Um, just, well, one, is this what I even want to do? But like, yeah, I still, I still wouldn't start with a freelance platform today. I would just, yeah, Google and YouTube, basically there's infinite knowledge out there, but I'd be careful, right? Just going back to what we said before, you don't want to get stuck in a loop where uh, you just research things for a month straight, but you're allowed to like research things at the beginning. Like you're at ground zero, like barely, barely starting, right? So spending a couple of days uh, just slamming through like a hundred different videos or blog posts, nothing wrong with that to get like an initial view of the land, and then just go from there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I think I think it would be good as you're doing that to kind of formulate. You know, you don't need to create a business plan, but at least like some high level bullet points of like what you want to do. You know, maybe set some short term goals for yourself, right? Like I want to have my first client by. 60 days from now or 45, whatever, you know, whatever makes sense for your schedule. And that doesn't even need to be make money, right? Like you said earlier, sometimes you were doing these free consults with folks just to learn a little bit more about them and, you know, get some experience. Uh, You could do that as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
But just be careful not mm. to keep undervaluing yourself, right? Like you don't want to do everything for free or be afraid to charge what you think it might be worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the question about uh, Tatiana. Is this SEO optimization course? Uh, not. Uh, Nick uh, shares about uh, his courses. But uh, yeah, uh, we have our uh, SEO course. Uh, it's coming soon. So yeah, stay tuned to my channels. Um, and um, I have the question about... Uh, what kind of future can you see in freelancing? Because, you know, many things are coming, metaverse, uh, uh, augmented reality, I don't know how it looks, but uh, what do you think? What kind of future will be? And is it a good idea today to start freelancing? Uh, yeah, because of that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're on a live stream right now and you've got headphones on, we've both got microphones. Like, these things need to be created in the future. There's going to be businesses in the future. So basically, I don't think freelancing is ever going to go away. Um, it's also a weird thing, like, you know, uh, there are ups and downs for freelancing, right? Like, you've got more flexibility, but, like, at the same time, you've got many different bosses instead of one, but you can choose at least what you want to work on. But I guess, you know, without going on that side topic there, I don't think the demand for freelance stuff is going to go down because, yeah, there's just always new tech businesses being created and there's always going to be folks out there or business owners out there who need someone to help them. And a lot of times, like just hiring a freelancer to come in for 20 hours a week is a really, really big benefit to them because uh, at least in the U.S. at least, right, the alternative to that is for them to hire a full-time employee. Then there's like payrolls and like W-2 and all this other stuff and health benefits and a million things. So from the business owner's perspective, you know, just hiring you as like a hired gun for, you know, maybe a three-month contract to solve a very specific problem, extremely valuable. And and that's why I, I say like not, not to be too afraid about charging a little bit more because, yeah, if you were there working full-time, they'd be paying probably a lot more than you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, what I like to charge more, uh, because it's better to cooperate with a few contracts than uh, trying to get hundreds of them, because you can't provide high quality job. You now, uh, when you uh, cover a lot of uh, other companies who, who want to get your service. So, yeah, it's better to pay attention and focus on a few, uh, but charge more for them. Uh, from my experience, you can provide much better job. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so by the way, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt you, but like I'm not too sure about your audience. So like one one last very quick thing around like what what would I do nowadays? I think I think nowadays one great thing is we have um you know uh, Discord channels like forums like this stuff is much more popular nowadays. So I would totally try to find like a small community uh, that you can just talk to other folks and you almost act as like accountability partners and maybe you can help each other out. So I think yeah that could be a good way to go about it, even if you plan to kind of do your stuff mostly solo. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell uh, practical uh, tips how to find this small community, a relevant community, and how do I know that if I spend time? Uh, because, you know, for me, time is the, the biggest asset. Uh, I can't lose time. O okay, of course, I, I can lose time. Uh, but if, uh, if I lose money, I can get them back, you know, because failing is the part of the process. Uh, failing only brings new experience and nothing else. So um, for me, it's hard to count how many times I failed. But uh, I found uh, it's better to optimize your time. And you mentioned it's, uh, to find some uh, small communities. Can you tell practical tips how to find them and how to and uh, what kind of actions do I need to provide on this community? Right. Yeah, I guess there's two ways to go about this one. So I never went to college or university, but if you are going to that type of thing, like you're probably going to find all sorts of different people around you in your day to day where you can meet people locally there. That would be 
it's right there at your fingertips. Uh, yeah, online communities will be a little bit harder, I guess, but because I, I don't know of any, honestly, like right off the top of my head, but I would imagine if you just Googled around for like freelance web development communities, like you may be able to find some stuff. And if you're not doing web dev, doing something else, like maybe just alter your search terms to be around that. I'm sure there's going to be some forums or chat rooms around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just Google them. No, Google. Uh, by the way, we have them on Facebook, on LinkedIn, uh, Discord. Yeah, m many different channels. So yeah. And uh, can you tell about uh, content marketing? Do you use some content marketing methods, you know, to create educational content, to help your audience, to create brand awareness? Uh, yeah, in your approaches. Yeah, honestly, creating my blog seven years ago was probably the best business decision I ever made because I don't do any paid advertising, zero. And it's also partly because, at least in my mind, at least as a software developer, my my BS tolerance for advertising is extremely low. So like, I don't know, like paid ads for me, it feels like I, don't, I wouldn't want to put that on my site. So yes, I do. You know, content marketing always feels also a little bit like sketchy type of thing. Um, but yeah, I write blog posts providing as much value as I can. Oftentimes, like, you know, I'm not trying to pitch something in that post. Like not every single post that I make is like, oh, buy my course at the end. It's like, no, here's a very specific problem. No strings attached. Like, I hope it helps you out. And that just tries to get people into your world. So maybe, you know, they keep seeing blog posts by you in the future. Like maybe uh, two months from now when it's like, huh, you know what? I kind of want to learn a little bit more about web development. Oh yeah, that guy, I keep like running into his blog post. He has a flash course. Like, so it's very organic driven, I guess you can say. But yeah, just I've been creating weekly blog, weekly blog posts for like seven years now. And yeah, almost every single client I've gotten came from that post or one post mm -hmm. on there. Uh, can you tell how you find ideas for your uh, blog? You know, because uh, I see when... Uh, People, companies, they have struggled to find some great ideas. But if you do this for seven years, uh, share your methods of, of finding ideas that people are interested in them. Yeah, that's seven years of weekly blog posts. Um, I don't think I missed a single week, maybe once or two, but it's, it's, it's very hard to think like, okay, so it, it's extremely counterintuitive in that it's like, my God, that's so many posts. Like, aren't you going to run out of ideas? But I feel like the thing that makes the ideas flow continuously is that I never sit down and think about what to write. What I end up doing is I extract what I'm going to write based on something like I'm actually doing. So uh, if I'm doing some client work or just working on a project or something like that, there's always like in that week, multiple topics that I could make a blog post about. And then the ones that I don't make a blog post about those go into my drafts folder. I've got like something crazy, like 840 draft posts, which are basically just a title. Uh, I didn't really flesh them out, but yeah, doing real world work will give you the content for you to post without you having to think about the content to post. And that's a very scary thing to think about because you're going to be like, no, but it, it can't work like that. It's impossible. I, I need to sit there for a hundred hours and think of things. No, it will come out for sure, naturally. And in my opinion, those are the best blog posts to write because it's like, you've got this very specific problem that you're trying to solve. And then you, you know, you walk through that whole thing in your blog post. Uh, chances are there's going to be other people out there who have the same exact problem. They're going to search for it. They're going to find your post and there you go. Like the, it comes back full circle. Mm -hmm. I have the final question, uh, by the way, not my question. Uh, Dimitar uh, is asking, what about investing in your monetization network? Can you share your methods? Because, you, uh, for example, how you monetize your blog and any other uh, tips how to monetize uh, uh, any, I don't know, like uh, blog article ideas or anything about that? Yeah, I would like to flip that around and actually ask you that question because I don't monetize any of my stuff with like, 
you know, Google AdSense or whatever. Like I've got a YouTube channel. I ran a podcast for two years. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have, I don't have advertising. I feel very like, it's like very icky for me to think about doing sponsored promotions, uh, promotional things. Um, I don't know. I, I can't get over that hurdle. Like I'd have to use a tool so long to personally believe that it'd be comfortable to share that with my audience. So honestly, like my blog, if I'm going to promote anything, it's going to just going to be straight to my own courses, not external things. But I feel like mm -hmm. I'm definitely missing out here. So I'd love to hear your opinion on like, how can developers maybe specifically get more comfortable advertising things for other products, like on their own sites? Uh, you know, um, we have a bunch of uh, platforms that can help to find, uh, uh, I don't know, companies who is interested, you know, to, uh, to cooperate with uh, content creators, especially if you have a blog uh, or a YouTube channel, uh, audio podcast. Uh, but I didn't use them. Uh, you know, I, I like your approaches that you usually find uh, other ways. Uh, but I have some networking. And I uh, built relationships with uh, big companies like IHREF, C-Rankin. And uh, uh, when they check out my content, they tell me, okay, you are interested to... Uh, to have some partnership sponsorship uh, so yeah uh, just uh, in my network um I, th I think you know it's better to spend some time to search for them but uh you know for me i have no this time <laughs> you know i'm so busy with many other tasks so probably i'm missing some opportunities as well but if someone from my networking is asking about this why not if i can earn extra money i usually do it uh, so yeah, um, I'm going to spend some time, but I don't know where to find this time, you know, to, to find some, uh, new companies who, who wanna, you know, to get the sponsorship. Yeah. Something right. like this. Uh, okay, Nick, it's a big pleasure to get my, my show to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, buy your courses, read your blog, anything. Sure. So my main site is nickjanetakis.com. That's N-I-C-K-J-A-N-E-T-A-K-I-S.com. That has links to all my courses and, you know, YouTube, whatever, if you want to check those things out, it's all there. So thanks a lot for having me. It was really fun. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime. Share more valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow Nick. You need to learn from him. You need to buy these courses because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.